Parafiends, I'm Isabel. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to Paraffin Podcast. Episode three. Episode three. We made it. Yep. We made it. We're in the big leagues now. You call episode three the big leagues? Well, we didn't quit after two episodes, so. Well, that yeah, that's true. And we got some positive feedback um, about episode one and two, so that's always really good to hear. Absolutely. Made us feel pretty good that we're doing something right, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Making just, some people happy. Um, yeah, I mean, really, at some point, the only way to go is up. So hopefully we're just going to get better and better. That's the plan. Uh, as long as we can keep making people entertained, then I think we're hitting the mark. Yeah, and finding some good paranormal spooky vibes. Yeah. Speaking of, now, okay, I know that we said that we were going to save personal experiences for when we finally decided to uh, make our Patreon live, but we had a fun experience last night and I thought that we would share it. There have been a couple of random times where we have been in bed and might have felt something touch us. And you're not like a, you've never really had a giant paranormal experience before, right? Well, I mean, not just some minor stuff. Yeah. Just nothing like major, not being touched. Yeah. Well, you finally, that finally changed for you. Yeah. Little, uh, foot grab in action. There's something about being touched in bed that is awful because that's supposed to be your safe spot and like where you feel comfortable and being grabbed and touched by something you can't see. It's kind of violating. Yeah. Well, on a non-paranormal note, um, you've told me that I do some weird stuff when I'm sleeping, like sitting straight up looking around the room and then you have to tell me to go back to bed. Yeah, it's very odd because I'm the night owl out of the two of us and I'll stay up like at weird hours, you know, till like two, three, four, five, whatever o'clock in the morning. And sometimes I'll be laying in bed reading because I'm a giant bookworm and I just look over and you you just sit straight up and I'm like, Andrew, and you don't say anything. You're just sitting there and you're just sometimes you're like staring ahead or like down at the bed. And I'm like, are you OK? And you just won't reply. And I'll finally be like, Andrew, you know, go back to sleep and then you'll just lay back down. Which is crazy because I have no memory of it. At it's all. so strange. I mean, it happens maybe once a month. It's pretty it's pretty regular. On one hand, I would like to have like some sort of video recording of that just to be like, Whoa, that's crazy and super funny and laugh at. But on the other hand, there's things that like if something was to happen while I was sleeping, I'm not sure that I would want to see it. Like blankets being pulled off me or some like paranormal video like that. I think it would break me. Well, that's 100% the reason why I would never put a camera up in the room to record, especially at night. I don't want to see that. I don't want I don't want to see what happens while we're sleeping. Yeah. And. In some cases, like ignorance is bliss, especially in this, because there's been times where we've been in bed and I'll be just chilling, laying there, trying to go to sleep. And I feel seriously like something has grabbed my foot and I have felt something shove my shoulder twice. Yeah. And then you felt something brush against your hip. And like we talked about last episode, we have cats. So you know, anytime something happens, we, we automatically are like, okay, it's a cat. But then you look and there's nothing there. Yeah. It's so strange. So you told me about feeling something rub against your hip. And then I felt it a couple of uh, days later. Mm -hmm. It's it's odd. I don't know what's going on. 
Me neither. I mean, the only positive thing I can say is like, it doesn't feel negative. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we don't live in an old house. You know, no. our house was built in 2012. And so I, it's not like, and we knew the people that owned the house before us. Nobody's died in the house, but I mean, sometimes it's the land and not the house. And we live in North Carolina. So, you know, there is history with where, you know, the land that we live on. True. So who knows? I, you know, I don't know the exact history of what happened, but I mean, there's like one of those little family cemeteries right across the street. There is. Yeah. And that one is like old, overgrown. A lot of the stuff is kind of knocked down. Yeah, it's really sad because like the headstones have been, you know, I don't either pushed over or they've fallen over. And it, unfortunately, they're on private property and the owners decided to put up a no trespassing sign. So mm, we can't yep. even go over there to help, like, you know, clear it up and, and make it presentable. And there's nothing we can do. But it makes you wonder if there's headstones there, then where else were people buried that may have been cleared out during development. Oh, I know. I, I do think about that. I, I think about if there's a possibility that a body might be buried under our house. I, who knows? Yeah, you, you never know. Okay, well, enough of that, because I would really <laughs> like to sleep tonight. So are you ready to jump into our tale? I'm ready for it. All right. Come closer, fiendish friends, and let us tell you a tale. So this is my week. On a on a side note, that still gets me. Does the, it? A tale. It's like, ugh. I know. I I love uh, our groundskeeper. That's yep. what we call him. The guy that does our segment voice. We call him our groundskeeper, and he's fantastic for our paraffined community. Yeah. So. This is uh, the, my week for the tale. Yep. So what do we got this week? Well, I'm a little mad at you because last week you made fun of me over the Mothman. And the whole time I was sitting there thinking, that's my topic this week. <laughs> so I decided to get Mothman out of the way and tell you about him. All right. Getting ahead of it. Let's do it. All right. So obviously, we've, as we've talked about before, it, it takes a lot to scare me. Uh, whether it's strange noises, weird sightings, it, it takes a lot right. you know, to really get to me. But for some reason, this one damn cryptid just bothers the fuck out of me. It scares me for no damn reason, especially considering we don't live anywhere near it. Yeah, we've talked about it. And there is like an almost irrational fear because it's like it is. It's super irrational. There's no reason for me to be afraid of this thing. And I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm afraid of Mothman itself or like what... The, the situation surrounding it. Right. So, obviously, you know, the Mothman is centralized in West Virginia, which has always been pretty well known for its fair share of strange and unexplainable events. But in November of 1966, it seemed the unusual cryptids of the area were ramping up. A large volume of things began to happen in a small town called Point Pleasant. People were spotting eerie lights in the sky. Folks were encountering black-eyed children knocking on their doors, which will be a future subject for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the secretive men in black were moving about in the city, which may be another uh, future topic because there's a lot there to unpack. Okay. And then, on top of all of that, there was a strange new creature. A bipedal winged humanoid standing seven feet tall with a wingspan of 10 to 15 feet or more. 
the creature was reported to have the ability to fly over 100 miles per hour and described as not having a head. Not a head. There's no head. (laughs) Only two huge red glowing eyes set into its chest. Okay. So, no head. No head. No head. Why? Yeah, that's unsettling so like maybe i am afraid of the damn like mothman (laughs) itself because that's terrifying and i think it's funny that all this is happening around a place called point pleasant right because the mothman is not pleasant yeah none of that like black-eyed children that doesn't sound pleasant or the men in black no no way okay smith movie is pretty pleasant (laughs) that that's true Most individuals have never seen its face, but the few who have have supposedly suffered severe nightmares and psychological breakdowns. It was a creature unlike anything anyone had encountered before. They coined this monster the Mothman, and it changed Point Pleasant, West Virginia forever. Mothman is one of the best well-known cryptids in the world, and one that I thoroughly do not enjoy, as we've (laughs) talked about a lot. It has been written about in novels, movies that have been made about it, It's even been hunted in the TV series Mountain Monsters, a fantastically dumb show we just both can't seem to stop watching. Yeah, that that one's like uh, like just brain candy. You know it's not good for you, but you just you can't stop. It feels so comforting. It it does, and I'm obsessed with ghost shows. Like that's pretty much all I watch. But I I typically stick with. Like the first hand, you know, ghost hunting, like ghost hunters, ghost adventures, things like that. Yeah. And I don't typically watch like um, haunted uh, hospitals. I think that's one like mm. those kind of stories. But Mountain Monsters is also a first hand experience, like a hunting show. Right. But I never really got into it because it was it was more cryptids rather than ghosts. Yeah. And then you got me into it. You started watching it. And you're like, you you have to check this out. And ever since then, just oh, hooked. It, it's entertaining. I don't know why. It's just, yeah. Okay. Point Pleasant, West Virginia is a small town situated on the Ohio River with a population of about 5,000 people. So it's fairly small. And I, I actually thought Point Pleasant was bigger than that. So it's on the Ohio River. So it's on the border of West Virginia and Ohio. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Okay. So people who visit the sleepy town of Point Pleasant describe it as if you're stepping back into time with many of the buildings remaining untouched since the early 1900s. That actually doesn't sound so bad. I, though, well, that's what I thought, too, because we, we live in a fairly small town. I think we only have a population of about, what, like 25, 30,000 people, which obviously is a lot better or a lot bigger than 5,000, but it's still small. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still got the smaller town feel, even though they're, you know, ramping up development a little bit. Uh, yeah, and but they've preserved uh, old downtown pretty well. Yeah, the so Main you can, Street. Yeah, you can drive down that, and there's the original old uh, buildings of... Because we live in Hope Mills, North Carolina, and it, you can look it up. It's pretty small. Uh, there's, you know, an old church there, and then, you know, Main Street, and then the old mill. Mm-hmm. So they've done a fairly decent job of keeping it preserved but this it sounds like a lot of it is preserved like the whole thing yeah so it's been said the city is a lovely place to visit one that feels like small town america with a paranormal twist the streets are lined with small mom and pop shops restaurants and a vintage movie theater from the 1940s 
There is even a historic and reportedly haunted hotel called the Low Hotel that dates back to 1901. It's been reported that the hotel is a time capsule of sorts with modern amenities. And as much as I don't want to go to Point Pleasant, I would love to go to this hotel. I've read a few stories about it while doing research on the Mothman, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm considering doing a story on it in a later episode, but it's a super cool place. Okay. Anyways, so just across the street from the Low Hotel is the famous Mothman Museum that attracts thousands of tourists every year. There's even a giant Mothman statue (laughs) built just outside. And if you go to the Mothman Museum website, they have a 24-7 webcam set up where you can stream the statue live. I guess there's been reports of sightings around the statue. Really? Yeah. That's weird. So when I was putting together this episode, it was in the middle of the night because at, you know, night owl. And when I saw that there was a webcam, as much as I didn't want to, I went to it. I pulled up the live stream. Did you see Mothman? I did not. I watched it for about 15 minutes as much as I didn't want to. Um, Just kind of staring at this damn statue and kind of tripping. Like I was I was waiting for it. Well, I've seen the statue. I know what it looks like. And it's it's a pretty cool statue. I mean, I know you don't like it because that's it's a statue of Mothman, but it is a pretty cool sculpture. Yeah, I'll give you that. It is a pretty cool and it's big too. Yeah. So whenever I was watching at 3 a.m., there was actually two people walking around the statue and that tripped me out because I mean, you know, people do go out, you know, in the middle of the night and that's fine. But I was not expecting these two random people to just like walk up and they're just like, they were literally standing there just staring at the statue for like five minutes. I wonder what they were talking about. I don't know, but the fact that they weren't really moving, that they were just standing there, it tripped me out. No, so they were like super still. Right. Yeah, no, they walked up and just stood there. Huh. Yeah. Weird, right? What if they weren't people? Uh, We're not even going to get into that. Thank (laughs) you. So there's a place in Point Pleasant called the Old West Virginia Ordnance Works, but it's most well known as the TNT area. The Mothman has been seen in many places around West Virginia and the surrounding states, but the largest number of sightings have happened around this TNT area. The West Virginia Ordnance Works is an abandoned ammunition manufacturing facility that employed a few thousand people at its peak. It spans more than 8,000 acres and dates back to World War II. It is hidden in the forest just to the north of Point Pleasant, and the surrounding area is heavily wooded. There are several grassy clearings and strategically placed thick concrete domes that are called igloos scattered across the territory disguised by a thick layer of earth. They were originally used to store barrels of gunpowder and explosives. There are several tunnels located on the land, most of which have collapsed over the years, been sealed off, or are now flooded with water. The land is now primarily used as a hunting and fishing grounds, even though it is on the EPA's national priorities list for hazardous waste because of the explosive byproducts. In 1979, fishermen reported that chemicals had been seeping into the ponds on the land, labeling the entire area as an environmental disease. By 1983, the TNT area was considered among the country's most polluted sites. Now, I don't know about you. But I don't think that's a place I would want to fish at. Could you yeah. imagine the mutant fish coming out of that area? Well, that that's one thing for sure. You'd have some really messed up fish. Well, if some all... like weird ass fish with like two mouths and 10 fins or something. Yeah, it's TNT fish. So it's also explosive. <laughs> Exploding fish. 
<laughs> Could you imagine? They're just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. So if it's a World War II TNT development center, is mm -hmm. it possible that Mothman was made during World War II in order to fight the Nazis? It, well, okay. I was going to say, like, we're going to get into that a little bit, but it didn't have anything about Nazis in it. So, but that it, okay, that's suspicious. <laughs> that's suspicious. Okay, so many locals believe the Mothman lives near the, T, uh, the TNT area and is a creation brought to life from government tampering, experimentation, if you will. Others believe that he is a mutant created from the explosive byproducts pollution. Regardless of how he came to be, once people began to see him, imaginations ran wild and created some of the best lore out there. Now, if I had to put my money on anything, if Mothman truly was real... I would put all of my dollars on the byproduct pollution that he is just, it wasn't an experimentation. It was some kind of. Yeah. Like the radioactive spider kind of concept. Yeah. It would be, it would be all from the explosive byproducts pollution, just mutating yeah. a creature. Does that make Mothman explosive? <laughs> so now we're going from fish exploding to Mothman, just like flapping along. And he's like, la, 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 la. Yeah, well, he's got a self-destruct sequence. <laughs> That's horrible. So the first recorded sighting of the Mothman took place November 12th, 1966. There were five men who were in a cemetery preparing a grave for burial when they glimpsed something they couldn't explain in the trees. There was a brown-winged creature sitting there within the branches watching them. It stayed only momentarily before taking off quickly, disappearing without leaving a sign it had been there. But even with no concrete evidence, all five men swore that what they saw was real. People questioned them, saying they must have seen a bird, but all five men denied it heavily, stating that it was definitely not that. I feel like I would know the difference between some giant mothman cryptid and, you know, a bird. Well, I know imagination is a powerful thing. I know sometimes our minds can twist things into something else. You see something... Maybe it's the middle of the night and you're already freaked out and you saw a deer, but somehow that transforms in your mind into some like crazy beast. Mm. But I also have to kind of agree that I would think that I would recognize the difference between a bird and the fucking Mothman. Yeah. So on a frigid night uh, on November 15th, 1966, only three days after the original sighting, two young couples were driving through the TNT area in a 1957 Chevy Bel Air. Roger and Linda Scarberry were in the front, Steve and Mary uh, Mollette in the back. Around midnight, Linda pointed out what she described as two large glowing red eyes staring at them in the darkness next to the old North power plant building. The sight terrified her, but she prayed it might just be something explainable. Soon, they approached where the creature was located and couldn't believe their eyes. It was a terrifying monster towering seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. It looked slightly human, but it was becoming quite obvious it wasn't. It looked like it could be a large bird, so Roger slowed his vehicle only slightly to get a good look at whatever this thing was, quickly realizing that what they were seeing was not a bird. So I find it interesting that the original sighting, they were like, bird? No, not yeah. a bird. And then now they're like, bird? No, not a bird. Right. It's. I do find that interesting. Well, I like how that we've got TNT chemical seepage, and now we have a power plant. It's yeah. kind of like 
all the cliches coming into one area. Yeah, exactly. So Roger took off at speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour and was horrified to see the creature had spread its wings, launching itself from the ground and pursuing them down the highway, matching the high speeds. Could you imagine? Well, that kind of rules out birds because I've, I've never been chased in a car by a bird. Going 100 miles an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that's really fast. That's super fast. First of all, I've never been much of a racer, so I don't, I don't even know if I've ever like, driven a car over 100 miles an hour. But I feel like if something could keep up with me at that speed, if I was going that fast, I would be freaking the fuck out. Yeah, but like even going 80, 80 is fast. Even 60. Yeah. That's crazy. So they hurried away from the TNT area, thankful to see the lights of Point Pleasant. When they began to enter the town, they were confused to find no sign of the mysterious creature that had been pursuing them. Roger parked his car, and the four young individuals nervously talked about what they had just encountered, finally coming to the conclusion that it must have just been a giant bird and nothing more. So a bird once again. To prove to themselves that that was all they had seen, they turned around and went back to the fucking TNT area. That's Mistake a bold Mistake number one. Yeah. It didn't take long before they found the creature once more. It stood on the side of the highway, appearing as though it was waiting for them. It was then that they finally came to the conclusion for a second time that this was not a bird. Yeah, that doesn't seem like bird behavior. Go back to the place where you just like... If something's pursuing me at 100 miles per hour, I'm not going back. I guess like if it's territorial, but that's crazy. Yeah. So the car's headlights swept over the creature and they watched in horror and fascination as it spread its wings and shot into the night sky with unfathomable speed, disappearing above the tree line. So they went back and they're like, oh, that's not a bird. Yeah. That's a fucking creature. It's a mothman. Yeah, it's a mothman. And then it just like is like gone. Right. Just shoots up. Can you imagine seeing that? That would... I don't want to imagine it. (laughs) That's why I don't want to go to West Virginia. (laughs) No offense to anybody that lives there. Seriously, I just don't watch your Mothman. You can keep it. I guess that rules out Southern Ohio as well. Yeah, that too. So they drove back into town going straight to the Mason County Courthouse and relaying their strange story to Sheriff George Johnson and and Deputy Miller Halstead. The police immediately went to investigate the area only to find nothing out of the ordinary. The following day, a press conference was held and the local newspapers began printing about the encounter, headlining it as, quote, couple sees man side bird, dot, 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 creature, dot, 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 something, end quote. With the story blowing up and becoming the talk of the town, the creature was dubbed the Mothman by a newspaper, a copy editor. The story continue, continued to sweep through the area and soon others began to come forward telling of their own sightings of the creature. Even with the support of the town, the encounter with a mothman unfortunately hadn't left the young couples unscathed. On November 16, 1966, Linda Scarberry was rushed to the hospital by her father after experiencing a nervous breakdown. I think that's something that really scares me is like, you don't just encounter this creature. There's lingering effects to coming into contact with him. Right. And I think... You know, like I was talking about in the beginning, that's one of the things that like truly messes with my mind is you you see it and then months later something happens. So like the the lore of Mothman is not that 
he will do something to you, but he causes something to happen to you eventually. I don't know. It's not, it's not that he causes it. He's like a, a pro like he brings like prophecy. Like it's like not him causing it. It's just, he shows up and something happens and, and it's not just like, and we'll get into like disasters with him, but it's not just the disasters that happen afterwards. Supposedly seeing the Mothman, like I had said earlier, it, you can have like nervous breakdowns, psychological events. It, like literally it messes with you. Huh. And that, I don't like that. Yeah. That's... I like having my mind intact. I, yeah, I don't like that either. So for the next 13 months, the creature would be seen fairly regularly throughout Point Pleasant with an estimate of over 100 sightings. That's a lot. A lot. For a hundred. For a cryptid? Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And then like a, for 13 months, that's what gets me because this is not spanned over years. This is just 13 months and over a hundred reported sightings. Whew. So it was noted that witnesses to the Mothman were supposedly being harassed by the men in black, telling them that they were not to speak of their encounters with the creature. That just adds a whole new element. Really? Yeah. So, like, they were seeing the Mothman, and supposedly the men in black were coming up to their door saying, you're not to talk of this. That's unsettling. Oh, 100%. Because the moth or the, the men in black themselves, like, that's just, like I was saying, that's a whole new thing, like a whole new element. And there's so little known about what the men in black actually are. Right. I, it's unsettling. Yeah. The unknown is always unsettling. That's true. I think this is a big reason why, like, there's so many things about this that are unknown, but everything around it is very negative. Right. It's said that anyone who gets too close of a look at Mothman suffers from severe fear and psychological stress lasting for months to years afterwards. People have even reported sensing pure evil from looking into the Mothman's eyes, which led many to wonder if he was a byproduct from hell itself. Yeah, that... Doing seeing that, that'd be a big nope. I would right I would there. assume that is from hell. Yeah. So though even with the uncertainty of what exactly the Mothman is, he has been dubbed a creature of prophecy, a harbinger of cataclysmic events, only appearing before a great disaster is about to happen. So for over a year the Mothman had been seen from his original sighting in November nineteen sixty six all the way to December fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven, when one when one of the most horrific accidents happened, the Silver Bridge collapsed. The bridge connected Point Pleasant with Gallipolis, Ohio. I'm pretty sure I said that right, but don't come after me if I didn't. And was officially open to traffic in 1928. It was the first bridge of its kind to use an innovative I-bar link sus suspension system. But unfortunately, one of those I-bars had a small defect that was not seen. Over the years, the I-bar eventually cracked and corroded. At about 5 p.m. on December 15th, the I-bar finally failed and the bridge began to collapse. It was right in the middle of rush hour, so the bridge was packed with cars. That's not good timing. Yeah. 31 vehicles plunged into the cold Ohio River, killing 46 people. Oh, yeah. December. So that water would be frigid. Yeah. It was a damn tragedy. 46 people died. It's a lot. Yeah. It's very sad. 
The Mothman sightings mysteriously disappeared after the bridge's collapse, and many conspiracy theories began to circulate. John Kill, a writer with an interest in extraterrestrial life and paranormal activity, wrote a book titled The Mothman Prophecies, trying to link the bridge's collapse to the Mothman sightings. And I think they made that book into a movie, didn't they? Did they? I think they did. I could be wrong, but I I know that there's a Mothman movie out there because I know I've seen it and I hated it. And I'm pretty sure that this is it. I don't think I've seen the Mothman movie. You don't want to. It's not (laughs) worth it. A little personal bias there. (laughs) Kill described in his book that the Mothman's uh, presence was no coincidence and that he was there to warn about the bridge's collapse. Kill also stated that the Mothman was linked to UFOs and the Men in Black. And that's that's interesting to me because there's a lot of cryptids out there that are supposedly linked to UFOs and like to the Men in Black. Oh, really? Yeah, there there's a lot of interconnecting there. It's very strange. So one of those things where you have a cork board up and like strings attached to <laughs> yeah. a thumbtack? Okay. Yeah. So though his ideals are considered out there... Without his published novel in 1975 and vocalization of his beliefs, the Mothman may have never gained the traction it did and became seemingly famous as a cryptid. Thanks, motherfucker. (laughs) If you're listening, John Kill, I'm just kidding. So he's the one who brought uh, Mothman into the center stage. Yeah, popularity. And also into my nightmares. (laughs) Thanks again. There have been uh, several similar cryptid sightings around the world, many similar to the Mothman in that they've been called heralds of impending disasters. They have been seen in a mine in Germany, scaring away all the miners just before it collapsed. Wait, they? Plural? No, like the, the, the people that worked in the mine. No, but like they plural, there's more than one Mothman? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, apparently they're... They're saying that there's been, like, there was originally Mothman, and from him, now there's copycats or, like, something like that. Like, other creatures like him. So, it's Mothman. I guess so. I I don't know if they look alike, I but, yeah. Huh. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they were seen in a, in a mine. Uh, or one of them, was seen in a mine in Germany, scaring away all the miners just before it collapsed. Another sighting was at Chernobyl, where a creature reportedly haunted the facilities for a time before the infamous nuclear meltdown. Yeah, that's a a big tragedy, big catastrophe. This one will get you. There are even two Mothman photos floating around that were supposedly taken in New York on 9-11. Really? Really. Now, I, I looked up the pictures, and maybe? But it's it's close enough to make you raise a question. It makes you wonder. So, do we believe the Mothman, the seven-foot-tall winged creature, is really out there warning people of disasters? I don't know. Maybe. There are several possible explanations for the original sightings. With the reports focusing on on bird-like qualities and red eyes, many local scientists believe it was nothing more than a large heron that was seen. Dr. Robert L. Smith of West Virginia University believed locals were seeing a sandhill crane. This bird has an impressive 10-foot wingspan and red markings around its eyes. Though it's not known as a West Virginia native bird, it sometimes wanders into the area. 
There are some people who believe that toxins from the TNT area are to blame, as we talked about before, that the byproducts and pollutants mutated a sandhill crane and would give an explanation for the glowing appearance and large size that was seen from the creature. Huh. So they, they think that this, well, you've got this scientist who, who believes it's an actual crane that people are seeing, and then other people that are taking it a step further and saying, no, the crane was mutated. So now we're back to birds. I mean, yeah, the wings yeah. and all that stuff at flying. I still, I still can't get around the hundred mile per hour thing. It, no crane flies that fast. I feel like the hundred mile an hour thing could have been ex- an exaggeration. Like uh, oh, definitely, especially if they were and, scared. And driving down the road, you're like, I was going a hundred miles an hour. Like, okay, yeah. really? I mean, if they were like sixty five, maybe. If but. they were in the mindset of panic. They, I feel like they could have been like, we were going 100 miles an hour, and they were really going not 100 miles an hour. But right. Who knows? Another creature with glowing red eyes that could be the culprit is owls. Yep. Regular old owls. Owls have glowing red eyes? I mean, when you look at them in the dark, you know that reflective kind oh, of... Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Most people don't realize and are surprised to find that owls possess a rather impressively large wingspan and their eyes glow red when light catches them. It is entirely possible that a massive owl scared the locals and imaginations ran wild, bringing about the lore of the Mothman. It's also possible that the entire thing was created from nothing but simple mass hysteria. It wouldn't be the first time it has occurred. Many legends and lores are brought about this way with someone experiencing something unusual but explainable. But regardless, other people play into it. At the end of the day, it's entirely plausible that a large bird terrified the folks of West Virginia and freaked out the entire town, birthing the legend of the Mothman to explain away what they couldn't at the time. People love a good story, one with a mysterious creature, a shadowy figure that we can't decipher. It's spooky and damn entertaining. So, is the Mothman real? Who's to say he isn't? There are so many things in this world we haven't seen before. Species of animals are being discovered every day. At best, the creature is nothing but a bird. But if you find yourself traveling to West Virginia and pull into the small town of Point Pleasant, it might be best to stay away from the old TNT area, unless you are ready to see something you might not want to face. Yeah, that'd be an interesting area to go hunting, for sure, because you might come back with a deer, you might come back with a mothman. No, thanks. I'm telling you, I, I have no desire. I mean, I would like to go to that hotel, yeah. but it's like right across the street from the museum, and that's close enough. Yeah, you don't want to even go check out the museum? I don't, maybe one day, maybe if I can, I don't know, grow some balls or something, but I, I know logically it's probably not real. I know it's an irrational fear, but I don't know. I just don't want to do it. I mean, the best way to get over that is to face your fears, so... Let's go check it out. Ugh. Uh, maybe for the sake of the podcast, maybe. Maybe if our listeners give me some encouragement and they're like, hey, you have to go and they help us grow, maybe we'll go. You heard it. Let's get Isabel to West Virginia. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. All right. Well, that is my tale. So you ready to jump into some listener stories? I sure am. All right. Let's do it. We gather here today to hear a tale from our friends from the other side. So this is, uh, so you're doing the first listener story, right? Yep. So I've got the first listener story. All right. Entertain me. (laughs) 
Are you not entertained? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to do one, then you're going to do one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this story comes from Tracy. Hello, paraffines. My name is Tracy, and I'm excited to share my story with you. When I was about 10 years old, I lived in small town, rural Montana, with my parents and younger sister, Charity. We lived in a small but cozy house that sat right up against the woods, and we constantly spent our afternoons running through the trees, playing games that we made up along the way. There was a small circle just within a line of trees where nothing other than wild grass seemed to grow. Me and Charity used to plant things there, seeing who could get something to take root, but nothing ever did. It was so strange, but we didn't think much of it at the time, and it quickly became our favorite place to play. We even gave the area a nickname, the Dead Circle. Ooh. One day, we were playing a variation of tag, and I was the unlucky one to be it. Charity ran off into the woods, and I placed my head against a tree trunk at the edge of the Dead Circle and began to count to 50. It was like every other time we played, but this was the first time we had tempted fate, or rather, our parents, and stayed out past when we were supposed to return home. The sun had completely disappeared, and we were relishing in the thrill of our rebellion. When I counted to 20, I began to feel off, like there was someone watching me. I lifted my head away from the tree to see who was there. I thought it might be Charity trying to sneak up on me and scare me, but it wasn't. She wasn't there. In fact, no one was. I was still alone in the dead circle. I placed my head back against the tree and continued to count. But I couldn't shake the feeling of eyes fixed on me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, and I had the thought that I needed to hide quickly. Before I could move, a low growl sounded somewhere behind me. It was then that I felt my life was definitely in danger. I looked around the circle again, but still couldn't see anything. I knew there was something there, though. I didn't know how I knew. I just did. I could sense it. I ducked around behind the back of a tree, and I could hear footsteps in the circle, as if something was searching for where I had gone. Not only was I terrified for myself, I was terrified for my sister. I hadn't seen her since she went to hide when we begun the game. I needed to find her, to make sure she was safe and get us both home. I silently began to pray that our parents were already out looking for us, that they would find us and scare away whatever was prowling inside of the circle. The low growling of footsteps were getting closer, so I took a chance and peered around the tree I was hiding behind. I almost screamed at what I saw. Standing just a few yards away was a huge, black, wolf-like creature. Oh no. But it didn't look like any kind of animal I had ever seen. It was much too large. Much too disfigured in a way that I could imagine it would get up on two legs at any time and begin running towards me. It was stalking through the circle, looking for its prey which I could only guess was me. I wanted to run, but I was afraid it would hear me and immediately chase after me. I realized that I couldn't keep standing there, no matter how afraid I was at being heard. Eventually, it would find me. I began to back away slowly. My foot hit a branch, and a loud crack sounded through the otherwise quiet circle. The creature's head lifted quickly, and I panicked, seeing the glowing yellow eyes that stared straight at where I was standing. I couldn't help it. I let out a scream as the creature moved towards me. I turned and ran. I knew finding my sister was out of the question, and I figured if I could just make it to my house, I could get my parents, and they could help me find Charity and make the creature go away. But I had gotten my directions mixed up, and I wasn't super sure if I was headed in the right direction. I could hear the creature behind me, moving through the woods brush and trees, but I didn't dare look back. My foot hit a raised tree root, and I fell hard to the ground. 
I rolled into a bush that was right next to me, and I watched in horror as the creature ran past me, still searching for where I had gone. When I couldn't see it anymore in the moon's dim glow, I began to run again, but I couldn't go in the same direction I had been as that's where the creature was, so I headed back the way I had come. I ran for what felt like hours, but realistically it was probably only minutes. I made it back to the dead circle and nearly cried when I saw Charity standing in the middle of the circle. I called out for her, and Charity looked relieved when she saw me. I could see that she had been crying. I asked her what was wrong, and she told me she had heard a loud howling that didn't sound right. It sounded like it was from a monster. I told her everything was going to be okay, even though I wasn't sure if it really would be. I just didn't want to scare her any more than she already was. Now that I was back in the circle, I had a sense of direction again, and I pulled Charity along toward where I knew the house would be. I told her to keep as quiet as possible, and when we got close to the tree line that backed up to our house, I made us run faster. But before we could break through the tree line, a furious growl stopped us dead on our tracks. I heard Charity whimper, and I did the only thing I could think to do. I pushed her toward the tree line and told her to run as I headed back towards the circle, yelling as loudly as I could to draw the creature away. Oh my gosh. I heard the creature running after me, and I knew it would catch me before I ever made it back to the circle. My legs were just too short and the monster was too big. I could never beat it. So I began weaving towards the dense trees that I could move easily through and knew the large creature could not. I had almost made it back to the circle when I heard the distinct sound of my father's voice calling me. I took a chance and yelled as loudly as I could, trying to direct him to my location. If I could just keep running, weaving through the trees, and slowing the creature down, maybe my father could make it to me before the creature did. I could now hear more than just the creature's footsteps behind me. I stumbled and fell again. Knowing that I had finally been cornered, there was no way I had time to get back up and escape. I could see those large yellow eyes just feet away and I curled up into a ball. I knew that was it for me. I was going to be ripped to pieces by this thing. I tried to brace myself for what would happen next, but... I heard a gun go off, and then a yelp blasted through the woods. It sounded like a cry of a wounded animal. I looked up and watched as the creature ran away. My father appeared, holding a shotgun in hand. His eyes were wider than I had ever seen them before. He picked me up and hurried me out of the woods and into our house. I had never cried harder than I did when I realized I was finally safe. Charity told me she had run home after I had fled into the woods and got father, telling him that a huge monster was after us. At first, he didn't believe her, but he took his gun anyways and marched through the woods to bring me home. None of us had an explanation to what we had seen in the woods, and to this day, I'm hesitant to even whisper the word, werewolf. I've heard stories of other dead circles in the world, and how they attract strange things, but I like to think I'm logical, and that what I had seen in the woods that night hadn't been a mythical creature sprung from the circle. Every day I try to tell myself that it was just a massive wolf, but in my heart, I know it was more than that. There's something in the woods in rural Montana that is out for blood but at least we know it bleeds too. Thanks for reading my story and keep up the great work, Tracy. Holy fuck, Tracy. <laughs> that was that was crazy. Yeah, that's a pretty wild story. I, Can you imagine? Nope. A werewolf. Yeah. I mean, did you see that video that w- that was going around for a while of um a supposed dire wolf? Oh yeah. The, that, the big black one that mm-hmm. went after that dude's dog? Yeah. Those are thought to be extinct, and that was a huge, huge wolf. Yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't a, you know, paranormal cryptid or something like that, if it was just a massive wolf, a dire wolf, or... Even that's terrifying. Yeah. 
I, any big animal that could potentially tear me apart, don't want no part of it. Right. That was crazy. Thank you so much, Tracy. That one. Oh my gosh. I could not imagine going through something like that. And I'm so glad you're alive. I mean, I like to spend time in the woods, you know, yeah. but if uh, something like that happened to me, I, I would be, be second guessing every time I was taking a trip into the woods. A hundred percent. Oof. All right. So I have my own listener story and it's not as long as my last ones have been, but I'm going to tell you something. This girl is so funny. Okay. All right. Ready for it. Hello, fearless fiend leaders. I wanted to write in a story that isn't scary at the end, but will stay with me a lifetime. So I won't delay and just jump right into what happened. When I was 13 years old, I lived in a small town where everyone knew everyone else. My best friend's name was Lillian, and we were only two out of 50 kids in our grade. So needless to say, everyone pretty much knew everyone else's name and every detail of their business. Lillian was always the more adventurous one out of our pair and was constantly suggesting things that would definitely get my ass handed to me by my parents if they caught me. But even with the fear, I normally said yes to her crazy schemes mainly, just so she wouldn't think I was a wimp. There was an old mine shaft on the outskirts of our town, and everyone knew about it, but most people weren't stupid enough to go inside. That was except for me and my friend, after she suggested it one night at a sleepover at my house. At first, I said no, and I wish I had kept saying no, but her insistent nagging finally cracked me, and to shut the little hellion up, I gave in. It was pitch black outside as we raced through the streets toward the old mine. It had been sectioned off by the city with a small wooden fence so no one accidentally fell into it, and there were signs posted up everywhere. My nerves were getting the better of me, and I wanted to turn back, but I had already committed to it and was going to see it through. There were no street lights out near the mine, so we turned on the flashlight I took from my parents and pointed the beam of light into the hole. With a deep breath and no words between us, we grasped each other's hands and walked into the mine. Now, to be fair, walked is a nice way to say we stumbled down the steep dirt and rock-filled hole. There were broken beams around us, which should have told us to get the hell out of there, but we were young and dumb and kept going. We had only been walking a short distance when I noticed how quiet it was. There was absolutely no sounds around us, and it unnerved the fuck out of me. My fight-or-flight response kicked in out of nowhere, and I was on the verge of freaking out. I couldn't understand why, though. I couldn't see or hear anything that would cause such a reaction, and sometimes things happen without a logical explanation. I turned to my friend, ready to tell her we needed to leave, when I heard a soft moan in my ear. What was worse, with the moan, I could feel the breath of whatever was whispering into my ear on my neck. No, thank you. I told myself to run, but I felt strangely frozen where I stood. The temperature dropped, and even with the darkness, I was sure I could suddenly see my breath. I felt Lillian's hand grow clammy in mine, and when I looked at her, her eyes were as big as saucers. The sound of what I could only describe as a tool being drug on the ground sounded from somewhere in the darkness ahead of us. It grew closer, and suddenly from within the shadows, a man appeared. He was an older man in his late 60s, if I had to guess, with long gray hair and a long gray beard. He had on old-fashioned clothing and held a pickaxe loosely in his right hand with the head of it digging into the ground. His strange white eyes locked onto us and he said, go, run, nope, 
nope, nope. Mm-hmm. That was it for me. He didn't have to tell me twice. I was fucking out of there. I didn't hold back the scream that ripped out of me as I turned and dragged my friend along behind me. We made it out of the mine in record time, though the whole way I fully expected for this old motherfucker to grab us both and drag us into the pits of hell. We didn't stop running when we made it out of the mine and booked it all the way back to my house. Neither one of us wanted to believe what he, what we had seen, but it was hard to deny what had happened. The next morning, we got the shocking news that the mine had collapsed within an hour of us leaving it. I still to this day believe that the old man in the mine had somehow known and was warning us, scaring us to get us to leave. I never thought I'd see I'd see the day that I thanked a ghost, but here we are. So thank you, creepy old miner dude, for saving my life. I never went back to the collapsed mine, and I have no plans to, and never again will I explore one, especially on my own. Thanks for reading my story. I love the podcast so far, and I'm excited to see what happens with it in the future. Maybe some live shows, question mark, question mark. A girl can dream. Teresa. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And thank you for the story. And obviously, Isabel and I have talked about live shows already. So I I really hope that that is something that we can do in the future. Yeah. That's one of the most exciting things I I can think of to be able to actually meet y'all and tell y'all a story live. That'd be cool. Yeah. Do some meet and greets. But that story. Yeah, I chose this story specifically to go to Mothman because of the whole prophecy thing. Oh, yeah. I thought that they paired really well together. It was it was almost like it was meant to be that I got a prophecy story around the time that I was going to talk about Mothman. Right. Two uplifting stories in a, in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, this miner scared the fuck out of her, but, I mean, he really, he was just trying to save her and her friend's lives. So, it's very crazy. Yeah. I mean, he might have been a creepy old ghost dude but he was doing some good stuff oh yeah for sure but uh yeah i could not imagine sneaking into a mine so you have way bigger balls than i do yeah i have no intention on going mine spelunking (laughs) oh for sure all right well are you ready to move on to our next segment yep let's do it we'll believe it when we see it with video evidence this is my week for video Now, I know that we were talking about one-upping each other, but I didn't go for that this week. Instead, I wanted to go with a specific theme, and I found this video, and there's not any sound to it. It's only 21 seconds long, but and it's not even really that scary. It just makes you think. Okay. So let's go ahead and play it. We have a video being recorded outside, pointed up at the night sky. Yeah. And there's just this spiraling light. Uh, I have Whoa. no idea what it is. What is that? I kn- well, at first I thought, well, maybe it's a UFO, but that's weird. So the video is already over. That was 21 yeah, seconds. Yeah, that was. That was, was really short, but it's perplexing because I've, I've never seen anything move like that that looks like that. Yeah, so there wasn't a ton of information attached to this video, but the video was taken during the early morning hours alongside Australia's East Coast. That's all the information we have about it. Okay. It's it's just really odd. I mean, really, that's all it is, is a bright white light outside, it, but it moves very strangely. It, it, I don't think it's a UFO. Yeah. Because it, it's like streaking across the sky. And it doesn't glow like anything I've ever seen in like 
the natural world. Yeah. So, I mean, what is it? A, a ghost? A, a, just as a space incident? Celestial incident, I guess? Yeah. Oh, man. No idea. We will post the video up on the social medias, so you'll be able to watch it along with us, of course, like always. Um, it's just odd. It is odd. And it's so odd that it is kind of unnerving. Yeah. No idea. I mean, we, we've talked about not knowing, you know, what things could be lurking around, you know, on the earth. We know less about space. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, UFOs, aliens, uh, we don't know, maybe. So, but that's what I got for you for the video. Yeah, what a cool video. Yeah. So it was very short and sweet this week, but are you ready to move on? All right, let's do it. Cryptid Catalog. Don't expect this in the mail. All right, so this is your week to give me a cryptid. That's right. And this week, we are going to talk about the Ozark Howler. Oh, I've never heard of this one before. No? All right, Mm -mm. well, good. The Ozark Howler is a fabled creature reported to dwell in remote areas within Arkansas, Missouri, Texas, and Oklahoma. So, that little circle on the map there. That's strange that I'm from Texas and I've never even heard of this thing. Well, strap in, because it is known by many names. The Ozark Black Howler, the Nightshade Bear the devil cat, and the cat monster of the mountains. Devil cat. I like that one. (laughs) Scary. There have been several reports stating that the Ozark Howler looks like a gigantic cat, while others describe it more bear-like, with a large body, thick-set legs, glowing red eyes, large horns protruding from its head, and shaggy black fur. Now, I've never found a bear with horns, but that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, or even a cat with horns. Either right. one. That sounds real demonic. Anything with horns. Well, I well, you know, because like goats. Yeah. Goats are always you know associated. associated with you know hell. Yeah. So yeah, horns, devil. Right. Maybe. So the earliest mention of the Ozark Howler was in the early 1800s, where a man named Daniel Boone states he came face to face with the creature. Boone stated that he fired his gun at the howler though there is no evidence that this took place. But that was also like back in the day too, so. Yeah, well, I mean, if you know anything about Daniel Boone, you know, he was uh, he was not one for elaborating. Yeah. So howler sightings have been a regular occurrence over the years, with witnesses claiming to have heard the creature cry, a cross between a laugh of a hyena and a wolf's howl. Recently, in 2015, a person claimed to have captured a photo of the creature at Devil's Den State Park in Arkansas, which is a pretty fitting name for this creature. Oh, yeah, for sure. To be seen at. Uh Uh-huh. So, here's a picture real quick. We'll post this on the socials. Oh, that's strange. Right? That's a weird picture. In 2012, the show Haunted Highway on the Sci-Fi Network investigated the howler, claiming to have captured thermal footage of the monster. In the end, it was discovered it was just footage of a raccoon or a possum. Hmm. That Well, that seems like really small to get confused with but I guess something on, so big. On a camera, like with distance, you don't know. Yeah I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Though we don't know if the Ozark Howler is a hoax or not, it is believed that the possibility of it being real is high. There are a lot of big cats out there. Who's to say the Howler couldn't be one of them? I mean, that's true. I mean, you don't know. I mean, there's so many different kinds of, even bears. Yeah. I mean, and I hate to say it once again, but 
It could just be something that's evolved into something else that we just don't know. We haven't quite discovered yet. I mean, mountain lions are a thing. Uh, There's been reports of black panthers in Mm -hmm. the area. So there's, there's a wild limit of potential for what it could be. Yeah. I wish we knew more than we did. Uh, scientifically, because sometimes, you know, I mean, they really do discover new things every day. And I mean, I know these are big creatures. So it's like, oh, they're they're hard to miss. But I mean, they're sightings, right? So you can't, you can't completely throw it out for them being real. I just, maybe there's not like a big population of these cryptids yet. Maybe it's like a, a newer kind of evolution thing, a new, you know, mutation. And they just haven't populated enough to become like a a known thing. And I mean, if that's the case, what did Daniel Boone shoot at? Oh, that's true. That was back in the day. So I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah. Maybe they keep their populations low. I don't know. Right. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they're not able to reproduce as easily or something. I mean, they're, Yeah, there are species that have trouble reproducing and have really low reproduction rates. You know, destruction I, of habitat as people expand. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I try to keep an open mind on anything paranormal, so I don't, I don't write this off as being unreal at all. No, absolutely, it's pretty crazy uh, cryptid there. I agree. All right, you ready to move on? Yep, let's do it. Is there anyone out there who wishes to communicate through the spirit board? Well, we got some interesting emails this week. Yeah, sure did. So I got one. Um, She she asked me to keep her name anonymous, so I'm going to do that. But this uh, actually is in regards to the Lake Worth monster, my cryptid catalog from last week. She said that she and her family have lived in the Fort Worth area for for a long time. And she's never seen the Lake Worth monster, but her grandfather claims to have actually seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So he described it to her as looking like a giant furry man, which I got (laughs) a kick out of. I thought that was so funny. But it had strange features and had like those goat-like features that I described last week. And um, apparently he just kind of caught it as it was going by. It didn't do anything like throw a car at him, you know, but... That'd be memorable. Still. the, The fact that people keep seeing these cryptids just... I. I can't put myself in in their shoes because I've never seen anything like that. And just the thought is terrifying. Well, eventually the goal is to get into the mountains and, you know, disappear, right, for us. And kind of cut out and get into the wilderness a little bit more. Yeah, definitely ready to leave the North Carolina area and go somewhere a little bit more secluded that actually has snow, please and thank you. But if you're living in an area like that, then... The idea of something just, you're, you're looking out your window and then you just see a man shape walking through the trees. Oh, yeah. And I mean, more people than not that live out secludedly are going to see these things than somebody that is living in the city like we are right now. I mean, you know, across the street from us, we, we have a little wooded area, but it's not big enough to really house something like that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, one day when we finally are living secluded in the middle of nowhere, who knows? Who knows what we might see? Just to see that, though, like, you know that your neighbors are far away and to see the shape of a man walking around when you know that there should not be another person walking around there is just, ugh, 
whether it's a human or not, yeah. I mean, regardless of the situation, that's something you don't want to see, especially if they're like over seven foot tall, really hairy, kind of looking like a goat. Yeah. Exactly. And then they're just like throwing a tree at you or something. Yeah. Some Bigfoot stuff. No, thanks. Oh man. So did you get any emails this week? So, uh, I have some messages here. Basically the gist is that we have far more humor in our podcast than we really intended to have. Oops. <laughs> but I think it's a, it's in a good way. And it's when we were referring back to episode one, when we were talking about Baba Yaga uh-huh. and they said that the quote, how would you know which trees are blood fed? Uh, if it's bleeding? Oh yeah, I guess that it was one of their favorite <laughs> lines. I had somebody actually say that same line to me that they got a kick out of that. So it's funny that that's kind of a, ongoing thing that people get a kick out of. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we're entertaining in uh, more way than one. I mean, yeah, when we, when we originally discussed doing this podcast, we wanted it to be more ominous and, and kind of creepy, you know, with the paranormal. But I think the kind of people that we are, where we try to find humor in even the darkest of times, it's just going to shine through. That's just who we are as people. So yeah. sorry, I guess. Or not sorry. Or not sorry. That's right. All right. So that's all I have this week as far as emails. What about you? Uh, nope. That's it for this week. All right. So if you have any listener stories that you would like to send our way for us to read on the show, any video evidence to send in our way, uh, any kind of, you know, words of encouragement, I guess, constructive criticism, literally anything, you can email us at spiritboard at paraffinepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Paraffin Podcast, Instagram at Paraffin Podcast, and the website is www.paraffinepodcast.com. Nailed it. Yeah, got it. And, you know, like like always, we'll post all the, the pictures and videos and stuff on the social media, so you'll find us there. Thanks for joining us, fiends. Until next time. Until next time.